0: Welcome to This Speech Life, an audio course and podcast from SpeechTherapyPD.com, exploring all things related to school-based SLP practice. I'm your host, Caitlin Lopez, MSCCC SLP, a school-based SLP with over 10 years of experience. In each episode, we will cover three need-to-know aspects of the topic, two resources related to the topic, and one actionable strategy for tomorrow. I am Caitlin Lopez, a school-based SLP, and I am your host. Uh, we are so excited to have Nikki Henjin with us today. If you don't know her from Instagram, Teach Speech365, that's how I became familiar with her, you need to check her out. And you will want to after this conversation for sure. Uh, all right, so before we begin, just a few housekeeping items. My financial disclosures to report are that I am the host of this Speech Life, the podcast sponsored by SpeechTherapyPD.com, and I do receive a compensation for this episode. Nikki's financial disclosures to report is she does have a teacher's pay teacher store. And she also will receive an honorarium for guest appearing on this episode. All right. So if you haven't met Nikki already or you're not familiar with her, I'm so excited to introduce you to all of her. Her name is Nikki Hunjin. She's been an SLP for 13 years. She spent the majority of her career in school-based positions. But has recently switched to private practice and contracting into the schools via private practice. She doesn't own these private practices, but she is working for them. She lives in Virginia with her husband and two kids. Her oldest is almost seven, and her youngest is almost, I'm gonna say 18 months based on the time when she first wrote this. She started a TPT store in 2012, creating speech therapy materials, and it has become something she really enjoys. In her free time, she likes to read or watch reality TV. Nikki, thank you so much for agreeing to be on this podcast and for talking about today's topic. I think it's, like I said in our conversation just before this, today we're going to be talking about making that switch from working for your district hired position. I think there's a lot of us right now that, especially at this point in the school year, we're like, I can't do this next year. What are my options? I love working with kids. I like aspects of the school's. But I just can't do this. So, Nikki, why don't you give us a little bit about your background and what led you to making the switch?
1: Yeah. So, for the 13 years, 12 of them were in schools um, in different states. But for the last nine years, I was in Virginia at the same job, um, the same district. And so, you know, when I first started in 2013, I think things were fine. I mean, you know, being a school-based SLP, it has its ups and downs, but for the most part, everything was good. Um, and then I feel like every year after that, more and more things kept being piled on us. And then we hit 2020 and like everything imploded, I feel like. Um, you know, we had to turn and become teletherapists on a dime. And I don't know about you, but I didn't have a class in grad school about how to do teletherapy. So it was terrifying. <laughs> um And so, you know, we did that. We went back in person. And then in 2021, I had my second child and did go back and finish that school year. But I had pretty much decided upon returning from maternity leave that I couldn't do this full time again the following year. So it was scary. Luckily, you know, my husband. Has a job too, and he carries our insurance. So I have privilege in the fact that I didn't have to worry about that part. But, you know, jumping ship, I didn't really have something lined up. So that was scary. (laughs) So again, I did have the privilege of a cushion of a, a spouse who also was making income, and, you know, we would have been okay. But I realized that I got to that point where mentally I wasn't enjoying any aspect of the job anymore. And I have always loved the therapy and i got to that point where i wasn't even enjoying that so i realized that i had probably reached burnout level and i was actually thinking about you know leaving the field to do what i don't know <laughs> but <laughs> that's undecided but anything else to just have a little bit more stress to have time to focus more on my family all of that so so you know it was
0: it was a lot that is a lot yeah that's a lot i mean two kids And especially, I know, I don't know how it was like in Virginia, but 2021 in California was still very heavily shut. At least Southern California, I was living in LA County. There were a lot of restrictions in 2021. My daughter was born in 2021 and the majority of my appointments, my husband couldn't come to. It still was very like, my school district, we were back on campus, but yeah, it was it was a vastly different, and I feel like after COVID, everything changed. Even though it was back on campus, everyone's anxiety levels, parents, administrators, teachers, and then we were all so isolated too. That camaraderie and collaboration on school campuses was gone, and it just felt
1: like for I me, and I don't, I can only speak for you know my experience. It felt like a lot of pressure was being put on SLPs. And, you know, so you'd be having these meetings about compensatory services or or things like that. And I didn't experience a lot of that, but I know a lot of my colleagues did. And the, the pressure of when we did shut down, I know a lot of my colleagues before we were even supposed to be really doing teletherapy were doing teletherapy. I was working in a Title I school. So a lot of parents' speech was not their priority. So I completely understood that like it was not high on the list of things that they wanted to do but i live in a very affluent part of virginia so that was not the case for a lot of people so i have a lot of colleagues that were doing like i said teletherapy before we were required to do it and you know killing themselves to try to see all these kids and pack it into a school day it was a lot and then we went back i mean we started it's now it's all a blur a little bit but we started 2021 in person 21 to 22 22 we started it back in person because that was the year my son was born. So we did start in person. I remember that. Um, it was the year before that we started virtual and then
0: sort of went back in person.
1: I don't know what you guys did.
0: Well, we were we were the only district that I know of in LA County that we went back October 2020. Wow. Yeah. And it was parent choice. So that was also really hard because you had hybrid. You had, you know, some kids on campus and some kids at home. And, but then we were not allowed to mix cohorts. And so scheduling already is a nightmare. It was like, I don't even know. So, you know, it was, it was wild. It was wild.
1: Well, and I think, you know, I loved the school position because, you know, you get your summers off and which is great theoretically, when you have kids, because especially when they get to be school age, like you can go and do vacations and stuff. But it got to the point for me that it was like, that's not even worth it anymore to me. I would rather work through the summer and have more work-life balance, if you will, than my 10 months out of the year just be so stressful and insane that I can't even, two months is not enough to recover that's where I was, I was getting to that point. And like I said, I I had reached the point where I wasn't enjoying anything. And you know, were all my kids still being seen? Yes. Was I still making relationships? Yes. Were the meetings happening? Yes. I was still doing my job, but mentally I was not there. And I was like, if I'm going to work for the next, however many years, I have to make a change because ultimately I can't be this miserable because my kids need a somewhat happy mom. (laughs) To, to, you know, to be with them. And it's not fair to them, you know? So so that's why I ultimately decided to switch. Um, like I said, I didn't have anything lined up. I had kind of some leads and I did actually want to go back to teletherapy. That was a big draw for me. I liked doing teletherapy. Surprisingly, when we were doing it, I liked it. I was scared to death of it in the beginning, but I liked it. You're at home. So I knew that the trade-off was I could still do, if I switch back to private, you know, private practice golden hours are that three to seven after school hours, because those that's, that's the moneymaker. And so I talked to my husband and I was like, you know, this is the trade-off. I, I'm going to have to be working those hours, which means we're going to have to be doing a little bit of juggling with the kids. So that's been interesting this year because I do work three days a week in the afternoon. It varies on what time I work until, but I do still get to put the kids to bed. It's been a little hard, I think, mainly because my son is, he's almost, he's like 17 and a half months old now. My daughter, who is now seven, she's more self-sufficient and it's easier for her. But it's hard with my son being the age that he is. And the fact I'm in the basement working and I can hear everything that's happening upstairs. And so certain times I'll be like, you know, what does what that cry like? Is he hungry? Is he? Because I'm mom, like I can I know those things more than you know. And my husband does a great job. Like he, the kids are fed, they're 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 fine. But oftentimes too, he has to go back to work because he he teleworks too. So if he spends like two and a half hours watching the kids in the afternoon, that means that when I come back upstairs, he's got to go back to work and finish some things. So it's be- definitely been a juggling act. I'm actually changing jobs <laughs> right now. I'm working four jobs four different jobs. I don't recommend that. To everyone listening, do not do that to yourself. But I knew that I would have to kind of piece together things just for this year because it was just kind of, I was jumping out of one (laughs) pool into like another. So I've had more, I, I guess, quote, free time. But as you know, if you're working, I'm contracted into two different school districts. So I'm actually seeing high school kids via teletherapy Monday and Tuesday mornings. Surprisingly, I haven't seen high school kids since my CF, which was what, 12, 12 years ago. And I was a little scared, but they're great. I kind of miss that age. You can have adult conversations and the kids are great. I do have a facilitator that, you know, calls them down and sits there and makes sure everything is okay. Um, but the kids are great. And I've actually really enjoyed switching to this age group, which I was a little bit surprised about. You have to stand on your head way less than you do with younger kids and especially over the computer. Like, you know, if you, if you work with elementary preschool kids on the computer, you have to like really work hard (laughs) to keep their attention. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been a change, but it's been a good change. Again, I'm making a change to hopefully only have one job next come, come, um, August. And I knew that, you know, figuring out what I wanted, how how I was going to make the work-life balance work. And I know that's kind of a myth. There is really no work-life balance. But we've decided the best thing for us is me working three days a week. That means I'm home with the baby two days a week. That kind of cuts our our daycare bill down further too. So I get to you know kind of do the stay-at-home mom thing for a little bit and, and still go to work, which is, I think, for me, the best thing. You know, yeah, you got to have a little bit of mix of both of them.
0: Absolutely. I 100% agree. I I, I did things kind of similar, but kind of different from you after, I mean, I felt the same thing where it was like, we're getting all of this put on us, you know, compensatory time, which our district kept saying, oh, you're going to have to do it. And then we're like, where, where, you know, we're showing them our schedules and they're like, oh, Okay okay, we'll hire out for that or whatever, you know, but it was, I just, meetings were getting harder and harder because in our school district that I was working for, um, there were, and I'm sure there's lots, I'm sure this is not just us, you know, uh, but there, the communication was so poor that we were really losing trust with families and, you know, just, the whole way that everything went down the 2020-2021 school year was just, like, insane. And and they just kept making – our special ed director just kept making these really strange decisions. And it would just be, like, Monday it would be different. Um, so, yeah. So, it was very much, like, we didn't really know what was happening. Like, we just – Um, I shouldn't say her name, but like we called her hurricane and then her first name.
1: (laughs) Um, I mean, that's what it sounds like.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Because it was just like, what is happening? You know, like we ended up, we were supposed to see kids and then we weren't supposed to see kids and then presence learning was going to come in and see the kids. And then, you know, but she wasn't understanding that it takes a while to set up a caseload. And so our presence learning therapists weren't seeing the kids for another two months after like their contract had started. And it also, we were in a district, um, that doesn't have access to internet, you know, doesn't have like, there's not computers at home. The kids had Chromebooks, but then their internet might get turned off. Their phone bill might, you know, teletherapy was not the greatest They figured it out by the end of the 2020, 2021 school year. It was a lot of hard work and just parents being upset all the time because decisions were just changing constantly. And that made our job of building rapport so tough. Because we're that's a major thing.
1: That's a a major part of, you know, being therapists and working with families. Like if you can't make that relationship and if it starts off on the wrong foot, it's gonna leave a sour taste in parents' mouths and then it just makes everything an uphill battle.
0: Yeah. And I like, I had always prided myself on having positive IEPs and I enjoyed IEPs. And I just, it was like, okay, here we go again. Okay, this parent is going to be so upset about decision A, decision B, decision C. And I just have to take it, even though I didn't make the decisions. And so, so I felt that very much. And then we were no longer seeing kids. We were just doing assessments and I learned a lot. I'm grateful for that time. I dove into dynamic assessment. I feel much stronger, you know, in these different, different areas, but it's not as much fun as therapy. And you have no rapport with kids either. And I was like, oh, this is what it's like to be a school psychologist. This is no fun.
1: And that's the thing. I think most of us went into this for therapy, not for all the other stuff. And yes, the other stuff comes with it. And we we know that now, especially a school-based SLP, like the amount of time, percentage of time we actually spend doing therapy, and then the amount of time we spend doing all the other things we have to do. I mean, if you told, I feel like if you told grad students now, like, this is the percentage of time you'll actually be doing therapy, and this is the percentage of time you'll be doing everything else, <laughs> everything else. Yeah. A lot of people probably would be like, I don't want to do, be a school-based SLP, you know, which is sad because, again, it, it comes with a lot of perks. I thoroughly enjoyed being a school-based SLP for the majority of my career. You know, I miss being able to be in that school building. There's nothing else like being in that school building, especially like around the holidays and like just the excitement, the the buzz that you get and seeing kids that are like happy to see you and giving you hugs in the hallway. And like, I miss all of that. I do. But for me, it's not enough, not enough to send me back. Um, and I hate that because I do think, you know, I was a pretty decent School-based so, SLP, okay. SLP in general.
0: I was going to talk about like how I ended up going private practice, but I want to ask you now. So, but you're still kind of. What's the difference for you working like a school district hired position versus a private practice? Because you're still working like in the school setting in a sense, right? So, what's the difference between those two entities?
1: I mean, a lot of it is going to be the same. You know, you still go to the meetings and things, but a lot of the extraneous stuff I don't have to do. Like, I don't have to go to staff meetings because they're in person, so I can't. You know, a lot of emails, I'm on the email list and like half the emails I'm just deleting because I'm like, it has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with me. It's a little bit harder virtually getting people that I need to like come to meetings. I had very few, by the time they got to high school, very few kids that I case manage. So, and I've already done the the IEPs for them. So like it's done. So that, that was a little bit hard. And like, you can't just pop into people's offices and be like, Hey, did you get my email? (laughs) Which that's, that's been hard. So sometimes I've had to send lots and lots of emails Then I've had to copy admin on it. And like, so that's been hard. but a lot of it is same. I mean, you obviously work within the school just dis- school hours and I had set hours based kind of on my daycare situation. So like, like, you know, whoever comes after me may not be Monday and Tuesday morning. That's just kind of what I set and what my facilitator was able to do. The thing with teletherapy is that you definitely, if you're considering teletherapy, make sure there's a facilitator, make sure there's someone there in person on that end Especially if you're doing like elementary school. Cause you you need someone to go get the kids and bring them and make sure there's no behaviors and like all of that. With high school level kids, my facilitator doesn't have to do like too much behavior, but she has to help them get signed on to the Zoom and like if there's technology issues, she always leaves the computer up. So if someone forgets their Chromebook, they can just jump on hers. So she's amazing. <laughs> she is worth her weight in gold as far as that. So there are perks to being you know, contract it in. Like I said, you don't have to deal with a lot of the other extra stuff. And obviously, if the school's closed, you don't have to work. The flip side of that is you don't, now you don't work, you don't get paid. So that, that's that been harder to, I mean, I was salaried for nine years. So it's like, oh, I can take a day off. I have time. Like now it's like, you know, especially with all the germs happening right now. I and mean, my daughter's been sick, my son's been sick. And I'm, I'm like, okay, honey, you have sick time. You're going to have to deal with it. I have to go work.
0: Okay. Like you're still kind of working within that school framework, but everything you're doing now is telehealth. Everything now. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, you have the option to do telehealth versus in the school setting where you have to, especially now, like you're in person. Mm -hmm. So that's the difference there. And do you feel like you don't have extra duty? It sounds like you don't have to go to nope. staff meetings, and you're not even going to the speech therapy department staff meetings either.
1: They do have related service meetings. My one district does every other month or every first, the first Friday of every month, I think. And it's all virtual. So I'll go. And I mean, I can bill for that. I can say like, I was at this meeting for an hour. Here's, you know, the meetings that I've been to, it hasn't pertained at all to me. It seems to be more geared towards like the elementary school SLPs. I don't really have anything to say at that <laughs> at that point. So yeah, I do still go to those, but if I can't go to them, it's not a big deal. Cause again, it, lately it's it hasn't even pertained to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you like, you're pretty much just at this point doing therapy. It sounds like.
1: Yeah, I do do some assessments. Um, but it, at the high school level too, it's few and it's much fewer and far between than it would be at elementary. um, I just started a new job that's based out of Texas that I probably will be doing some assessments at some point um, because it's an elementary school. But I, you know, high school level, there haven't been too many. Um, I think by the time they get up to that grade level, it's, you know, and especially if like they're seniors, like you're not going to test them because they're graduating. Unless there's some big reason to test them, you're not going to test them. Um, So it's, it's far less, in some ways, stressful because there's not a lot of assessments.
0: Are you taking advantage of the certificate tracker? Not only does it store your certificates from all of your evidence-based and practical courses from speechtherapypd.com, but you can also upload certificates earned from other CE providers. It's the easiest way to store and keep track of your CEUs. Just another perk of membership you're just doing therapy. It sounds like for the most part, there's assessments sprinkled here and there, but nothing like at the elementary level. I, the week before spring break, I got 11 referrals because it was their second round of MTSS. 11. Well, and it was also the preschool teacher didn't realize I was on campus. So I ended up uh, I'll just go through my story like super quickly. I So my daughter was born. I wasn't ready to work full time. And in California, I could not find a school job that was part time. We've always had such a huge need in California that they're not going to waste their equivalents on part time. They're out there, but they're just hard to find. They don't advertise them. Anyway, so I ended up going and working for a nonprofit clinic and I loved it. And then that same year, my husband is working for a university in our area. So he was on the school schedule for the first time ever. And I was not the first time ever. Last summer, I hated it. He got to stay home and play with our daughter. And I had to go to work and play with other people's kids. Like, it just killed me. And I mean, I went back full time. And in California, clinic-based work, you make not nearly as much in the schools. The benefits and everything in the schools, it just was like, you know what? This will give me better life, work-life balance if I can go to the schools. And working that year in that school district where like everything changed, like my boundaries got so strong. They had never been so strong before. And then after having a child too, I feel like, not that it's a luxury to take work home, but like, no, I leave work. I put on a different hat. And then after that, like, I'm too tired. I go to bed when she goes to bed. It was like, okay, this is just the way it is. But I do feel that crunch now of like just all the things that we have to do, you know, where I tend to be much more involved in the MTSS process than other SLPs in our district. We don't have to be, but teachers are not speech therapists. They don't understand. At least the teachers at my particular school, they can't just watch a, a peachy speechy video and have their kids do things. They just are, are not... Not wired that way. So I'm a little bit more involved, but but it's crazy if you think about what school-based SLPs have to do. They're involved in the MTSS process, they're involved in the assessment process, they're case managing IEPs, they're doing therapy. Nobody else at the school has that much.
1: Nobody. Yeah. And we're often lumped into teacher salary scales. Yeah. Which is nothing against teachers. Our jobs are completely different. <laughs> you know, I mean, even school psychologists. They don't have a caseload. They don't case manage IEPs. Like, it's a different job. So, yeah, no, I've always thought that I wish ASHA would just have this thing that we have to be put on different scales.
0: Yeah. And luckily here in Southern California, I want to say about, I don't know my brain is like totally gone after having a child. (laughs) Like full disclosure, I'm pregnant with my second. So it's like like, whatever brain I did have like is, you know, yeah. But I want to say like seven, eight years ago, they did start putting SLPs on a different salary scale in Southern California. Not every district, but most districts. And that made a huge difference at that last district where I don't work for them anymore, but the district where it was just so incredibly like chaotic, there was only 10 of us that were district hired. The majority of the SLPs were contract even before she let all the contracts go and just went with presence learning. It's a notorious area that people don't want to work in, but I don't, uh, people are people. Like It's not a crime to be poor. It's, no. But anyway, so that's why there was so few of us, we think, And they did raise the pay scale, and it was one of the higher ones in Southern California. But all of us at that end of the year were like, you could pay us $20,000 less to not have to deal with this stress, and we would take that job in a heartbeat. It's the stress,
1: the going home. So as someone who, full disclosure, I have anxiety. And at my school, which is the reason I stayed at my school for a very long time, we didn't have very many meetings where we had lawyers, advocates, like really intense meetings. I do not do well with those meetings. Can I hold my own and fake it? Yeah. But I will have dreams about those meetings. I can't, it's very hard for me to handle those situations. And like I said, at my school, we didn't have very many, thank God. But the ones that we did, I mean, I still have nightmares about things that were said during meetings and and things. And I know, again, we're in a very affluent part of Virginia. I know some of my colleagues have those meetings like constantly. And I am like, I do not know how you handle that because I I would probably have to be on medication <laughs> to go to work and constantly be doing this, these things. And I know we're not supposed to take things personally, but when people are kind of attacking you, it's a little bit hard to not. Yeah. Ask.
0: And especially when you really care about the student that you're discussing to Yeah, there's a law school that is close to that particular district that I was working in. And they, a lot of the law students would do pro bono work for these families. So I worked for them for two and a half school years. And the first school year, we had no hot meetings. I mean, everything. And then, you know, if you don't communicate with parents, you're going to have hot meetings. And so there were... I mean, to go from no to go to like three or four, it was just, that's not even like hot meetings, even without lawyers and advocates that were there, you know, parents that are just really deeply upset. And I understand exactly why they're upset. (sighs) So anyway, anyway, I'm going to switch gears a little bit and ask you a couple more questions about those that are kind of thinking about leaving their school hired positions. Do you feel like you get more support from your private practice versus the school? district that you were working for? I don't feel like it's,
1: I mean, more, I haven't really needed too much initially, like starting with a new district. Of course, the one is it's still in Virginia. So I just had to kind of learn, I knew all the Virginia like laws and things I needed to learn like their IEP system and like how that district did that things. Cause it's very surprising to me how, when you go to different districts, they call things differently. And like so like a re is not called a re in some places and, and, and things like that. So, so I don't think it was necessarily more or less. I mean, I don't need help with the therapy. Like it's I got that. So I think, you know, private practice owners have more, theoretically more time to, to give you more help. And then my boss for the one, the high school job, she actually also works via teletherapy in the same district. So she knew what was nice was that she knew all the policies and stuff. So if I had a question policy-wise, I didn't have to bother someone in the district. I could just text her and be like, "Hey, just verifying blah blah blah." And she'd be like, "Yeah, it's fine." I mean, and again, thinking back, did I really need support in the schools? Not really. I mean, I I was at the same school for 9 years, like I said. So I knew my kids, I knew my families. I didn't really have I didn't really need too much help. If you're a newer SLP, you might need, or want more. And I'm the type of person, like, if I don't know something, I'm going to ask, you know, because I don't want to screw it up and be, you know, from district to district, things can change and you want to make sure you're doing things by however they do it. So, yeah, I think it depends on what kind of support you need and how much support you need.
0: Okay. Sounds good. And, you know, your teletherapy, so it's not like you have a huge materials budget necessarily. And none,
1: none. But again, I mean, I had a bunch of stuff already from doing teletherapy before I make things if I need it and there's TPT. So, yeah, (laughs) you know, I mean, I have a whole list. I have a whole um, big, huge boxes of materials that I'm not using right now because I'm yeah virtual, but, um, they're sitting in my basement, taking up space.
0: (laughs) Um, and then you, you've mentioned that you've worked for four jobs and you've got two different districts, one in Texas that you're going to be starting soon. How did you find these contracts? Did you find them? Did they find you? Somebody who might be wanting to make that jump. What do you recommend for them?
1: So both of them, I actually found via Instagram. (laughs) It's, People contacted me or I happened to see a job listing. I did join a couple telepractice Facebook groups. So that's always a good option. If you, And then a lot of times people will post things. Private practice owners will post things too. So you can see. So oftentimes you can go to the group and just like search your state and see what pops up. You know, there are the big companies too. I have interviewed with a couple of the bigger companies. And I have to say the rates that they wanted to pay me were... That's the plus with going with a smaller private practice, like both of the private practices that I'm contracted in schools, they're both owned by SLPs. So like the rate is probably a little higher. It also depends on what kind of reimbursement rate they're getting from the district too. So it depends on, you know, where they are, but yeah, Instagram, social media, check with, you know, you can try the big companies, but know that specifically for telepractice the rates are going to be kind of low. So and and a lot of times it's 1099. So you have to also be aware of 1099, you have to be putting a big chunk of income into a way for taxes. So don't forget to do that because that's a big deal.
0: Yeah, that's a really great point because I think that's something that 1099 don't often think about, you know. And and it's a huge jump you go from salary where you've got benefits and I um, I remember talking to, so I mentioned before that district was kind of the first time I'd ever worked with a contracted SLP or slippa before, um, other than somebody covering a maternity leave. But my slippa in that district the first year, uh, she worked for a big company. And it was like a whole new world to me. I was asking her so many questions. She made more money than the district hired slippers, But her insurance was so high. And, you know, so she's like, and they get paid salary. I don't, you know, so it was it was an interesting thing. And and she was trying to decide if she wanted to jump to the district, but not. She did not want to work for our district. Um, but looking for districts and slippers they there's not as many districts that will hire slippers in Southern California. I wish they would we slippers are amazing um, and they need to be paid well they you know they go they are have bachelor's degrees and they're they're professionals as well. but anyway, um, so i talking to her was really interesting, and then talking to one of the presence learning therapists that I was working with. As I was assessing a student, um, she was telling me how much they, how much she made and she wasn't living in LA County. So it was doable for her, but I was like, oh, there's no way. Cause I thought, well, maybe I'll just go work for presence learning. Like all they do is therapy and annual IEPs and that's it. And even then, like they aren't really doing them because the communication on our side to their side was super weak, um, So they weren't really sure what they were supposed to be doing, but they were just doing therapy all the time. And I was like, "That's awesome! I get to stay at home." Like, and then she told me how much they were making, and I thought, "Oh, it's really hard to do in Southern California."
1: You know, Northern Virginia is not cheap either. Yeah. Um, so, and I think that's a trade off. Like, you you have to be looking 1099 versus W two. A lot of the private practice, you know, unless you do your own, make your own private practice and contract into the schools, which I never wanted to do because. I already have a business and I just, it was another level of like mental energy. I couldn't, (laughs) I didn't have the bandwidth for, um, but the 1099 versus W2 and the whole, like, there's not a lot of safety nets as far as, you know, you don't work, you don't get paid if someone no shows, um, I mean, unless they didn't cancel beforehand. I mean, everyone has their own policies on that, but you know, oftentimes, you know, if they cancel, we're going on vacation, they cancel a weekend ahead okay, that's fine, but you're, you know, you're not getting paid for that. Right. Um, so there are pros and cons to it. Usually 1099 rates are a little bit higher, but then you have to figure you have to take out a, a large chunk for taxes um, or not. And then you have a nice surprise come tax time <laughs> and no one wants it.
0: Yeah. I think that's a great thing to think about. Um, Cause I think, especially if you're a new grad, you see that higher, the higher, you know, salary pay or, um, hourly pay. And you're like, Oh man, this will be fantastic. And then it, like you, like you said, you either have a surprise at tax time or that child doesn't show up or that was like the hardest thing. Luckily the clinic that I worked for that year after my daughter was born, they did pay us for no shows, uh, because they knew the, and it's owned by physical or not owned. It was, founded because it's nonprofit. It was founded by physical therapists. So they understand like you always have reports that you're writing. You always are catching up on your notes. So um you're you know you always have progress reports. So use that time for that. And then if like you don't have time for something, go clean toys, go put things away. Um so I was really, really, really appreciative appreciative of that. But but yeah, it's it's a whole different world outside of the school setting with that salary and that, Oh, my whole group is sick today. Okay, great. I'm going to take this time to do this and not have to think about not getting paid. Exactly. Exactly.
1: Yeah. So yeah, you have to, there's a bunch of different things you have to weigh, but I guess that's like with any job.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But you're finding a lot of joy just in being able to focus on therapy with your particular setting.
1: I am. I think I've reclaimed some of the joy. I've started to, you know, enjoy therapy again. So and I knew like I probably would if I had took some of the mental load off. Um, so I'm glad because I was a little worried. I mean, I really was considering like, again, I don't know what I would do, but I, I I was like, I don't know if I can do this until at retirement age. Like I definitely am not gonna make it in schools until retirement age, but I don't know if I can even do this in general <laughs> until retirement yeah. age. Um and like you know again i i really love making materials and and helping slps that way and so i'm like i don't want to give that up like that's fun to me that's my that's my outlet so um and connecting i mean i i wish you know social media is is its own beast but it's so nice to be able to connect with other slps and um on on social media and like feel like you're like less alone and um see what their ideas are it's it's a really the SLP Instagram world is just it's a lot <laughs> it's it's nice in a lot of ways
0: yeah i would say that i mean i remember finding you and you were just so real about like how tough it is in the schools and i was really weighing like you know do i stay here in the clinic do i go back because clinic work is a whole other grind in and of itself um where it, yeah, it's a whole nother grind in a whole different way. But then the benefits of working in the clinic are like, I miss some of those aspects. I miss being able to connect with parents on a real level. Um, so it's, yeah, but I, I I do remember thinking like, well, maybe I'm not set out to be an SLP. And then your posts about like, Hey, have any of you ever thought about leaving the field before? Like, it's okay. And I was like, Oh,
1: yeah. And that's the thing. Like, I, you know, early days of starting that account, I wouldn't have ever said that. Like, it's it's only been in recent years where I'm like, it's okay to not have it be rainbows and kittens, and we need to actually show that it's not rainbows and kittens all the time because it's not, and it's not. The, the, the whole toxic positivity thing and, and things. I just, I do really try hard to keep it real. And like some days it sucks. It just, it sucks. And you are thinking like, I want to go be a Starbucks barista or something else, like anything else right now. <laughs> I, you know, and I think it's hard when we, a lot of us go into this kind of profession because we're helpers by nature. We we like to help people and things. But in doing that, I really feel like the mo- majority of us that go into this, A, we can't just walk out and leave it. So it's, it's there. And B, which it, that, that holds another, you know, ho- that has a hold on us. And B, like, we can't, we, we get so caught up in helping other people that like, we don't help ourselves. And so that's where I got to that point with, you know, I'm a mom of two. Do I want to be around to see my kids grow up, or do I want to be in this like mental like health crisis where I'm not enjoying anything? And what is that going to do for my kids? You know, so it's I do try really hard to get to keep it real and and speak out about issues that I feel are important. And people, I've stopped caring. I don't care about follower count. I don't care if I make people mad. Like you don't have
0: to follow me. It's fine. I, it's fine.
1: But there are certain things that I feel very passionate about and I'll continue to talk about them.
0: Yeah. And I love it. I And I love like your realism because it's not the thing that I love about your account and like your post, which is why I said you have to follow her. She's amazing. Is that you are like today was really hard or this is what is so incredibly awful about our, our role and our position and then the next day you're going to be like, "Oh my gosh, I had the most fun with my high school kids. I brought up this lesson and we had a real conversation about it and it's so cool to see the world through their eyes." So it's like you have both sides. You you know, you have the fun things and then the things that you're doing on TPT like you can see your passion for them when you share your resources and you know how much fun you have doing that. Um that I think it is good for us to see like, yeah, there are days that it's like it's tough, and we hate it, but then you and that's the great thing about our field is that we can go find something else for a minute,
1: yeah, it's nice. we We can work in lots of different settings. Um, I don't think I could do hospital at this point. I think that's all I lost that skill set somewhere along the way. Absolutely.
0: Um,
1: but, uh, yeah, um, but yeah, we do have a lot of different settings. We have a and that's why I wanted, okay, I need to try something different and see if this helps my whole psyche. And then, you know, if it doesn't, again, I told myself, it's okay. I can, I have a college degree. I mean, it can, our skills translate to a lot of different things. I mean, my husband was like, maybe you should get a job with the government. Like they are always looking for, I don't remember what he said, but like, you know, there's a lot of different things where our skills translate well to other things. So that's helpful. Um, But again, I've always wanted to kind of work with kids and like, you know. See the joy when the, you it, nothing beats when you walk into a classroom or go to someone's house and like they're so excited to see you that it's like their best day ever. ever. You can't manufacture that anywhere no. else. No, like you, can't. you know, I mean, I joke with my husband because he works for the government and like his job is very he he likes what he does, but it's 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 like financial. Like I don't even know what he does. It's it's like to me, it's like very boring. Um, and but I'll be like you know, while our job doesn't always pay us a lot and it doesn't, I don't think we are paid what we're worth and, and, and things like that. He's like, but at least you're like fulfilled at the end of the day, most days he's like, I am not like, it's, it's not, it's not like fulfilling. You know what I mean? So, so yes, I do feel like, you know, we are making an impact on a future generation and things.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, and you're right. Like nothing, nothing can beat that feeling. I have a little boy, he's not mine, but I go, um, I think just twice a week. Yeah. It's just twice a week to one in the kindergarten classrooms. And he was says, can I come with you? And I said, oh, you're not on my list today. Well, who do I talk to to get on your (laughs) list? (laughs) Excuse me. I'm
1: going to need somebody. Yes. No. And that, that would always happen. And I'm like, it just makes you feel like the celebrity. Like, they yeah. all want to come with me because it's so fun.
0: Yeah, it is. You know? And then so I, like my older kids, they're like, well, what do you guys even do? And I was like, I torture them. <laughs> and they like, look at me. And the kids that are coming with me were like, yeah, she tortures us. We hate it. You know? They're old <laughs> enough that they can. They get it. Yeah. But it's That's funny. It's just, it's, uh, kids are so much fun and it's they always are. different you know, you never really know what's going to happen. So, so there are good things about the role. Um, so what are three, maybe three recommendations or three things that you can, three pointers that you can give to our listeners that are thinking about making the jump?
1: Let's see. Um, I would explore, you know, the positions in your area, um, look into different telepractice, uh, you know, either companies or join some Facebook groups, look to see kind of what's in your area. Um, again, I don't really recommend doing it blind. Like don't jump and then like try to figure it out. Like I did, it wasn't really, I don't recommend that. Um, you know, talk to talk to private practices around the, in the area, but no, again, the private practices, a lot of times that they're going to want that three to seven. So um, if you do have young kids, that could kind of be not great. Um, some private practices will have contracts with like local preschools or something like that, where like you could get daytime hours, but you really have to ask if that's something that they do. I think with private practice too, you have to think are they in home, which means are you traveling to different people's homes? So, like, think about how many hours you're kind of killing right there if you have to travel to different people's homes. So, for me, that wasn't really an option because here I am trying to work the least amount of time to still pay my bills and still have time with my with my kids. And so like I need somewhere where that's gonna plot me at a school or a preschool or something for a lot of time so that I can, you know, see kids back to back to back and then go home. (laughs) And that was kind of like one or two. (laughs) Facebook groups, look at your clinics, word of mouth. I mean, talk to other people that you know are in the area to see if there are opportunities. Or the other thing too, is before you maybe jump ship, see if there, you can change positions. Like our district didn't have it, but I would have loved if our district had like an evaluation only position, you know, where like, I would have definitely requested like, Hey, I just need a year to not do therapy. I need a, I need a year to do something different. I need, I need a change. Can I just move into this position for the year and like go back? unfortunately we didn't have that. So sometimes it's changing schools might also be an option, you know, and I did think about that, but for me, I was kind of like, I feel like it's going to kind of be the same, same stuff, different day. So for me, I kind of already decided like, I gotta, I gotta jump ship, but I, I think it's really, really important to look at your mental health status. I had talked with my therapist and And she could tell, she was like, you're just, it's not, it's not working, you know? And again, I have privilege. I have a spouse who makes considerable more than I do. And like, we were going to be fine. And I know not everyone can do that, but try to see if there's maybe a supervisory position you can move into or, or something else if you're really feeling burnout. But I wouldn't stay where you're feeling burnout for too long because it can have a detrimental effect.
0: Did you know that SpeechTherapyPD.com has weekly live and interactive webinars? We are the fastest growing CE provider. Subscribe today to get access to over 750 different courses in audio or video format. That's one of the things that I dislike the most about, I don't know how it is in other states, but in California, you know, they'll honor a certain number of years on the pay scale. So like, I think I was really grateful when I, so the district that I'm working for, again, I used to work for them and we had moved away. Anyway, they would honor nine years in a school setting. And then you could move up, you know, those nine steps. But if I had worked, you know, 10 or 11 years, they wouldn't honor that like that. And so that kind of keeps you, At your school district. And I think one of the greatest things for me professionally is I've worked for three different districts, one private practice. And like, I know I'm stronger professionally because I see how different people do things and I can pick and choose what I like and add that and educate my district. Like, hey, this is how we did things over here. And it was so smooth and efficient or whatever it is but also that idea of like moving around like i've noticed that i move around about every 4 years cuz that's kind of where i'm like i'm done with these people <laughs> and i think that's healthy like that's okay like we grow as humans and that's something that i i really wish that we didn't try to keep people but i understand it they're trying to keep people because we're in such need um, teachers and speech therapists, everyone that works in the school setting currently. But but I, I think that's such a great point that you bring up of maybe you move schools. Maybe you find a different position. Like if it's not feasible for you financially to like make that jump because you might have to work four jobs and that doesn't sound enjoyable. Um, you know, and, and that was something I did actually leave. I, cause I, every, about every five years, I'm like, I don't want to, like, I actually thought I was going to leave the field for sure. And I went and worked somewhere else, not in the field, completely different. I was working with families and kids. Um, Those skills translated over. But then I was also working for a nonprofit practice, like, seeing two families. And I was doing some adjunct teaching at a local, you know, and I was like, I'm working too much. I still had my hand in the field. And then, you know, I ended up going back. But... But I think that that's a really good point to bring up of like, what changes can you make within your area? And sometimes you can't, and that's okay.
1: And that's what I kind of decided. I thought about like, and some people would ask me, "Why don't you change schools and things?" And I had kind of reached that point of just like no return, if you will. Like, it's not gonna be good for me. Like, I can't make it through. I legitimately felt like I there was no way I was gonna make it through another year. Again, I was like, it went back to my kids. It was like it's not fair to them to not have a present somewhat happy mother.
0: Absolutely. And I know we both keep sharing about like how it always comes back to our kids and like, we want to be with our kids. Even if you don't have kids and you're not happy, it's okay to like, not quote unquote blame. Oh, I need to be home and be with my kids. Like it's quote unquote to be like, no, I want to like, we don't work to live you know, or we, we, or live to work. I don't know. You know what I'm trying to say. Like, it's okay. If you don't have kids, you don't have a spouse, you know, it's okay to say like, I want to have time to go do the things I like to do after work. And if you don't feel that, that's okay. Uh, I mean, that's not okay, but it's okay to like put an end to it without a quote unquote, you know?
1: Yeah. And your happiness. I mean, life is too short to be unhappy kids or no kids, like. If you're finding that your quality of life is not great for an extended period of time, then it's not great and there needs to be change. I've left jobs before I started this district. I left a job every year because things were not good. You know, I've had to start over and starting over is scary. I'm not one, I'm not good with change. It's anxiety provoking, but like, ultimately it's just kind of what needs to happen. And change betters you and it's a good thing sometimes.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I really appreciate. So I usually follow this conversation is a vastly different conversation than ones that I typically have. Um, But I usually follow this kind of three, two, one, like three things we need to know, two resources and one actionable strategy. And all along the way, you've really shared those things, like the three things we should think about. 1099 versus W2, how to find a job, how to make sure that like it's working for you. Um, and then the resources that you shared about Facebook groups, Instagram, reaching out to people to find those good those good local companies to work for. And then your actionable strategies too about like, okay, what are the changes I can make now? And if I can't, you know, here's, here are next steps for kind of looking around. So thank you for that. And just thank you for being so vulnerable in your your storytelling of like yourself. Cause it's not especially a lot of what we see on I'm only on speech Instagram. Um, but a lot of what we see is like, Oh my gosh, it's so amazing. Oh my goodness. My kids are so great. Like, look at these beautiful picture, perfect, you know, crafts we did and lesson plans and, and which is amazing. And like, I love seeing that cause it does inspire me like, Oh yeah, I should totally bring a sensory bin in this next week to do St. Patrick's day stuff, you know, or whatever it is. Right. Like it is good to see that, but the majority of us, I feel like, especially right now in the school setting, especially at this point in the school year, like we're just hanging on. We're just hanging on. And so, um, it's not popular to come in and be like, you know what? Like, this is not, this is not working. I'm going to switch things up. Like, and I think that that's so valuable to hear too. I see a lot of it on like teacher TikTok. Um, And I feel like it's starting to come around with our our social media as speech therapists. Um, But yeah, so I just really, really appreciate the space that you've created in your little corner of Instagram and the space that you've created, you know, even here sharing your perspective on things. Do you have any other kind of last, lasting comments for us or advice for those that are thinking about it? Um, I think just
1: the final thought is our jobs are, are just that there are jobs and like, we have lives that we can live too outside of work. And so, you know, for the first, I feel like five years of my career, I lived, ate and slept speech. And then Life happens, and it's not like that anymore, and that's okay. Like, you are supposed to have a life that you live outside of your job, <laughs> and you shouldn't be ashamed or whatever to to go and live it without speech. It's okay.
0: Yeah. You know, it's an, as you say that, I just kind of reflected a little bit about, like, those first five years for me, and I think a lot of it has to do with grad school.
1: Yes, it does. For sure.
0: It, it puts that,
1: injects that like, you need to be thinking about this 24 seven, or you are not a quote, good SLP.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I mean, you and I graduated, I'm guessing right around the same time. Cause I've been practicing about 12 years, you're year 13 years. And it's, it's just crazy to me to think about, you know, like, okay, so So what I was saying is it wasn't as competitive. Grad school wasn't as competitive for us as it is now. Like it was kind of just starting to be that way, I feel like, um, because I know the cohort behind us, like, and even I had ties within my grad school. Um, I was good friends with, I had become good friends with one of my professors and she was sharing like, these students are so competitive with each other. And I'm thinking, well, yeah, yeah. You only have 18 spots and you have a hundred applicants. Of course they are. Which um, if you think about it, doesn't make any sense with the shortages that there are with
1: SLPs. Like, why are we why are why are you only accepting 18 kids? It's like 18 applicants. Like, accept more. We need more.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so they do now. But I just wonder if, you know, some of that competitiveness that we have in grad school. And then it's so intense, those two years of trying to learn everything within our nine areas of scope of practice. And I remember I was so annoying in grad school, like thinking (laughs) about it. You know, I had my very set, this is what I'm going to do. And I worked so hard to get good internships to make sure that I could go you know, do what I wanted to do. I'm doing nothing near.
1: That's what I was thinking. I was like, looking back, I'm like, grad school taught me nothing that I actually needed to survive this job. (laughs) Literally nothing. (laughs) Like they need classes on how to hold an IEP meeting, what to do if it's intense, what to, you know, what to do when you've got kids who are demonstrating significant behaviors and you're alone. Like the, we need real life kind of experience, not kind of what we were kind of just taught in grad school. Like the book stuff is fine. And yes, we need that. But it's nothing compares to the on the job training you get once you start working.
0: And just thinking about like, okay, so I lived, worked, like slept, ate everything speech in grad school. And I do remember like those first two years I would go to work. And and I also should say, like my last year of grad school, I worked on a waiver for a local school district on an emergency waiver. Um, I the restaurant I worked for went under. I needed a job. I'd worked since I was fifteen, and I applied and I got hired. Um, So it was like really intense that last year of grad school. And so then I had my same job the year after I graduated, and. I had nothing to do in the afternoon and I didn't know what to do with myself. I
1: feel kind of like that now. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know what to, wait, what? I
0: don't have to do anything. I, I, what? (laughs) Yeah. And so it was really hard. And I just like threw myself even more into speech. Yeah. And I think that's why I ended up wanting to leave. Well, because when you do something 24
1: seven for that
0: long, you get sick of it. Yeah. And I think that's why I took that year and I left and I ended up, that was a whole like turning point for me in terms of like neurodiversity affirming. I was working with families. Um, Not all the families had kids on the spectrum, but one child in particular, and I loved him. And I was like, why do I love him and not my students at work? And it was like, cause there's no, there's, there's, I, my only role is to like be there for the family and be there for him. There's no expectations. And I like learned so much from this one child about like, just, I was able to see him and love him and see his strengths. And I was like, okay, maybe I can work in the schools if I have this mindset versus, okay, how do I get you to look at me? Okay. How do I get you to engage in a conversation that you don't care about? Like, anyway, I'm getting off on like another tangent and soapbox. But I think that that's a really good point that you bring up about, you know, living, eating, sleeping. Breathing, speech therapy, and we need to have a separation. And like, just thinking about what that, maybe if we have anybody that works in academia, how can you bring that to your students? Because they're going to lose it and they're not going to last in the field. So, you know, thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for all the many different ways we went today. That's, that's one of the great things about um, the conversations that we have on this podcast is you we have, a, we have a topic, but then we always end up going in lots of different places. So Nikki, just I appreciate you as a human being. Um, if you don't follow her, you have to. I've learned so much from her not just in the world of speech therapy but about transracial adoption and just who she is as an advocate for our students that are not white, heterosexual. <laughs> I could go on and on. Just not that dominant, you know, culture. I've learned so much from her um and I I hope that you all will give her a follow teach speech 365. Um, If they have any questions or want to connect with you, what's the best way to do that?
1: Uh, You can DM me on Instagram or my email is teachspeech365 at Gmail.
0: All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Nikki. And I hope you have a great rest of your week. Everyone, thank you so much for joining us and listening today. Each episode has an accompanying audio course on speechtherapypd.com available for 0.1 ASHA CEUs. Use the unique coupon code for listeners of this podcast, LIFE20, for $20 off an audio course subscription. Audio course subscriptions give access to all existing and new audio courses from speechtherapypd.com. Again, use the code LIFE20 to access more than 200 hours of audio courses for $59 a year. Visit SpeechTherapyPD.com life for more information and start earning CEs today. Thanks for joining us at This Speech Life. Remember to go to SpeechTherapyPD.com to learn more about earning ASHA CEUs. We appreciate your positive reviews and support and would love for you to write a quick review and subscribe.